This is a Hog Sports Network podcast. Good day, everyone, and welcome to the Basketball Podcast in Mid-America. I'm your host, Anthony Christensen, joined by the all-star cast of Bob Holt, (laughs) Ethan Westerman, and Blake Sutton behind the scenes. And we are all back with another enticing, exciting, electric episode for you guys today. Since we last had a podcast, the Arkansas men's basketball team uh, beat the the SEC's academic powerhouse, Missouri, but dropped a home game to Vanderbilt, which leaves Arkansas at 14-14 overall, 5-10 in SEC play. The win over the Tigers gives Arkansas its second SEC sweep of the season, but after also beating A&M, uh, which we talked about uh, last episode, but the loss, of Va- loss to Vanderbilt, excuse me, can't talk today, uh, kind of kills kind of <laughs> a lot of that momentum after picking up as consecutive SEC wins you know, for the first time this season. Before we go into that Vanderbilt loss and everything that kind of comes with it, uh, the big positive of the last couple of games is Caleb Battle. Uh, you know, he scored 42 points against Missouri, <laughs> followed it up with 36 against Vanderbilt. He scored at least 15 points in each of the past four games and a shot over 50% from the field in three of those. Bob, kind of looking at Caleb Battle, what do you think has kind of been the most impressive part of you know, all of that? Well, I guess it's the efficiency, right? I think he scored 42 against Missouri on 17 shots, hit all 14 of his, of his free throws. And then the other night, I think was he 18 of 17, 410, and hit his free throws again. So I guess just the efficiency. You see a lot of guys, if they score that many points, they're host, hoisting up 25, 30 shots, something like that. So uh, he's shooting at a high percentage and getting to the free throw line and that's been the most impressive thing to me. And then Ethan, kind of looking at you know Caleb Battle, he kind of struggled for some cons- consistency early on in the season, and now it's kind of really picked it up in the last, last few games. I guess can you just talk a little bit about you know how you've kind of seen him kind of take that on? Is it more of the system? How have you kind of seen things change well, for him? Definitely is a little bit more of the minutes. To be just honest, I mean it's hard to score whenever you're. There was a stretch where he wasn't play. If he did get to play, it wasn't very much. Um, which we don't know what was going on there. I mean, it. There was even a. I think it might have been the first Texas A&M game. Was that the one that it was a coach's decision for him to not play? Um, I mean, I think if anything, it's just we've seen he can. I mean, early in the season, you could see he could score. It wasn't some secret that the dude had. He has a knack for um, getting hot, staying hot, and providing. He's the he's the type of player. If it's a big moment and you need a big shot, you want him to be taking it. I was, um, you know, kind of. I mean, Tremont Mark as well. He he, he may, obviously makes some big shots, but you know, I just felt the other night. I was like, oh, I'll get Caleb Battle some sort of look right here at the end. He's just that type of player that you trust. I feel like with the ball in his hands. Um, but yeah, I guess what's kind of led to more of this recently is probably just personnel who's available who can score and he's right now easily one of the most capable scorers um they have playing and then bob alluded to the free throws um i mean that's just big time if you can make it was 14 to 14 for mizzou and i think um vanderbilt 14 to 17 which uh i guess that's a combined 32 of 35 if i did my math right no i didn't it's 28 of 31 that's the correct math i'm not a math major um but he uh that's really impressive to me. I mean, I can't go to a free throw line and take 10 shots with nobody in the gym and make seven. I mean, if I make seven, I'm feeling good about myself. So what he's doing in those pressure situations, uh, 
He's just he just knows how to score. If I make three free throws, I feel good about myself. I'm not I'm not a shooter. I'm more of like a an inside guy. I'm I'm the five nine Zach Eady. Um, no, I'm not. Um, but took, looking at Caleb, he has one more year of eligibility remaining, at least on the on the online roster. That's what it says. What do you guys think? Kind of should be the play there. Do you think they try to keep battle and kind of build around him next year? Try to keep him maybe as a complimentary piece. What are your guys' kind of thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I think if you're Arkansas, you'd like to like to keep a guy that's scoring like he is. You'd like to have Tremont Mark back. You know, your top two scores, older guys. You know, they have. Good size, you know, Mark 6'6", six, six, Battle 6'5". Uh, they'd both be, you know, uh, there might be Battle sixth year. I know I think there was one year where he just played seven games, so I guess it cut kind of, between redshirt and COVID, you know, guys can play so many years now. And I don't know what they're thinking is. I don't know what what Eric Musselman and the staff's thinking is. But if, if I'm Arkansas, though, those are two guys I want back because, you know, they, they, they can score. And the, the, this that'd be their second year going to the system. I mean, Eric's proven he can turn over rosters and have immediate success. It's not proven true this year, but it proved true the previous eight years. So I think that's pretty good odds, eight out of nine. And so I think you know both those guys would would be comfortable here. And but I, I don't know whether where their heads are at or what what they're thinking about. But yeah, like uh, Ethan said, uh, you know, Caleb battled through. No pun intended. Uh, not playing there or hardly playing for a good stretch of games. You kind of thought, well, he won't be back. And now I, I think you can see a pathway to where he, he could want to be back. And did you have anything to add to that, Ethan? Yeah, I disagree with them. I just completely agree with what Bob said. It sounded like I was saying I disagree, but uh, I definitely agree. I think that those two guys have proven that they can, I mean, that they can succeed in this system, maybe just get some pieces around them now. Yeah, now kind of looking at that Vanderbilt game, that's a it's a bad loss actually. When you look at the metrics, it's Arkansas's worst loss of the season. Even when you look at the UNC Greensboro, you know, loss early on in the year, uh, Vanderbilt entered the game with the lowest rated offense and defense in the SEC. Uh, Rand- Vanderbilt was rated as the second lowest power rate power conference team in the country at 202 per Ken Palm, uh, only better than DePaul. Uh, but since Vanderbilt has jumped over Georgetown and it, Georgetown and is a little bit behind uh, behind Louisville, um, I wrote a story that went up this morning about you know where Arkansas kind of stands in the metrics and it mentions a lot of this stuff. Um, shameless plug, go read it. Um, uh, coach Jerry Stackhouse for Vanderbilt, best dressed coach in the country, if you ask me. Fantastic, just every game he's always got it on. Um, but he's almost certainly on the hot seat when you look at you know Vanderbilt this season, and you know how the year has kind of played out. Um, Bob, kind of looking at you know that game, what do you kind of make of a game like that? Is it the macro? Is it a microcosm of the season as a whole? Is it a new low? What are your kind of takes on that? Well, maybe both. Um, you know, one thing that that was their fifth SEC loss, and of course they lost to Auburn by thirty-two. They lost to, at home to Tennessee by 29, but, you know, Tennessee's ranked fourth. They may be a number one seed. Auburn, they're going to be probably a two or three seed. Those are both really good teams. They played Kentucky tough and lost by six. And South Carolina, before we, at least before I knew, South Carolina was so good. They came in and won by 13, but, the, you know, they're ranked now. And they're going to be in the tournament. I think barring something crazy happening. And so 
The other four losses in the SEC at home were to NCAA tournament teams. Vanderbilt's obviously not an NCAA tournament team. They came in uh, 7-20, and 0-8 on the road. Their only two wins in the league were at home against Missouri, which has not won a league game. And A&M managed to find a way to screw that up and lose their last second shot like they did at Arkansas. And so, uh, and you said Jerry Stackhouse, he's on the hot seat. He's getting asked about job security and quoting biblical verses and uh, disciples and all Judas and all this other stuff. So, you know, that's got a rough one when that's going on. And they were only averaging 66 points. I, I looked it up after the game. They shot, I think, 51.8% or something like that. That was the first time they shot over 50% all year. And they'd shot under, I think, 36 their previous three games when they'd gotten you know beaten pretty decisively by, by Tennessee, Georgia, and Florida. So um, as bad as Arkansas shot the ball in that game, going having a one-for-17 stretch to end the half and then missing their first two to start the second half, so that's one-for-19, even I can tell that. And uh, Arkansas didn't lose that game because of their offense. They lost because of their defense. They gave up 85 points to a team that came in averaging 66 and had not scored more than 78 all year. And one of those games was against Alabama A&M. And so, um, yeah, I guess my, my, my overriding uh, thought is that we, Arkansas was up 20 to 10 and looked to be in control and just let uh, Vanderbilt start believing they could win. And then by halftime, Vanderbilt was, was leading and they led the entire second half, even though Arkansas got as close as one there at, at late on a battle three. But yeah, just a really horrible loss. And bad on a lot of levels, but to me especially, you know, considering the opponent, probably Arkansas's worst defensive performance of the season. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned, obviously, that 1-19 of 19 stretch that went through the uh, the end of the first half and into the second half. Uh, a lot of that was kind of caused by Vanderbilt switching to his zone defense. Ethan kind of looking at the performance, you know, what about Vanderbilt's zone kind of made it so difficult to break down, or do you feel it was more Arkansas not playing good offense. I mean, I think the Eric Musselman pointed it out after the game that whenever you look up at halftime and you're one for 12 from three-point range, I think they finished 10 for 30, but they made five of those like in the last like four minutes or something weird. It's not like there were bad looks all the time either. It was just you got to make some shots, man. But I mean, it's you have to credit the opponent a little bit for, you know, switching it up and keeping on your toes, I guess, and throwing you off. But I mean, at some point, it's like just you got to make some shots. This is me saying this as somebody who, if you wouldn't want to see me taking these shots, so it's easier for me to tell Arkansas players to make some shots than uh, than it actually is to go out there and perform and do it. But I don't know. It's just I I think that that offensive performance that Arkansas had was just one of those that you kind of scratch your head and say, like, how do you have capable shooters and just not everybody hitting? I don't know. Um, but Kind of like Bob said, just really bad loss, bad loss. Uh, can't you can't sugarcoat this one. I mean that I think according to the net entering the game, they were Arkansas's worst worst loss had been like um, UNC Greensboro, which was I think around one thirty. Vanderbilt was two thirty, so a <laughs> hundred below what had been according to the net, which has a plenty of faults, but I think it's still worth mentioning. Yeah, and Bob, you mentioned the defense. The defense is really what lost Arkansas this game. What do you think were the biggest, I guess, areas that you thought the defense really struggled in against a Vanderbilt team that, like we mentioned, does not have a great offense? Yeah, just what's been their issue in a lot of games, which they'd fixed to a certain extent, but dribble drives. I mean, uh, Tyron Lawrence and uh, Ezra Manjan 
combined for 43 points. I think Manjon had 22 and Lawrence had 21, although I might be the other way around. But they got to the rim a lot. They hit, I think, uh, they hit something like 15 free throws between them. And uh, just, it, and Vanderbilt really beat Arkansas badly in pain points. I think it was 42 to 26. That That's an area Arkansas really shored up. And, you know, Makai Mitchell, this is not on the defensive end, but he's a guy that averaged 14 points the last eight games, and that includes going scoreless against Tennessee, and he, he was 0 for 3. And I really would like – it's easy for me to say, like Ethan said, we can just watch it and tell him what to do, but I really would like to have seen them show a little bit more patience against that zone and just really tr- maybe force it inside to Makai. Because I think when Makai – he was 0 for 3 when he got a few shots – I think he was so anxious he was rushing it because he thought I don't, the only time he was getting the ball was when he grabbed a rebound. And I don't think it's like Arkansas didn't want to get it to him. I just think they need to be a little more patient and, and try some things. But certainly that, that zone gave him trouble. But getting back to the defense, yeah, it just really didn't stop the penetration. And then, uh, you know, rebounding is part of defense, right? And that, that just the killer play of all killer plays in that game was when um, Van Allen Lubin, they, they got Lawrence to miss two free throws. It was like 22 seconds left, and they're down by three. It's exactly what you need, and there's a good free throw shooter who misses them both. But instead of Arkansas getting the rebound and being down three, Lubin knifes in, gets the rebound, gets a putback. I don't know if he got fouled, but he got a call. Then he hits the free throw. So instead of being Arkansas having the ball down three, they they got the ball down six. And that turned out to be a monster and one because, you know, Battle goes down hits that incredible three where it bounces about 20 feet in the air and goes through the basket. But that made it a one-point game instead of tying it. And so, um, yeah, I think that their, their, uh, their, their lack of coverage of dribble drives and then just not finishing uh, defensive possessions off with rebounds re- re- really killed them. Yeah, and talking about... You know that 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 play in particular, the the offensive rebound off the missed free throws. Ethan, what's it? What, what did you kind of feel the the arena atmosphere was like at that moment? Because that was, uh, I mean, it was the killer. Like I, I felt, I felt like that was. I think everybody in the arena kind of knew that was. That yeah, was that. and I mean, it's just the fact you had gotten bailed out by a guy missing two free throws too. It felt like okay, you're mo- you're mounting your comeback. You, they just gifted you like another possession, basically, but you don't get the rebound. That was a killer. Um, the arena, talking about the atmosphere, though, my goodness. I mean, it got pretty like loud in there at the end with those who had remained. But you heard some boo birds on. <laughs> you heard boo birds on. Uh, was that Tuesday on Tuesday night? There, um, people were not a fan of what they were seeing. Uh, I mean, Arkansas was down by as many as sixteen at one point. That was about as, I don't know, about as deflating of a crowd I feel like I've seen this season um just the fact that there I don't know if if it's happened earlier this year I'm just not it's slipping my mind but I don't remember hearing booze in there and I don't remember it being I mean by at tip-off it was already not a great crowd which that's kind of be to be expected on a weeknight on a you're playing Vanderbilt I mean we all kind of you can't expect anything with Arkansas this year but I mean that was about as close as of a game as I expected Arkansas to maybe win um, maybe the only one that tops it is Saturday against Missouri, but already wasn't a great atmosphere like to start the game, and then in the middle of it you have booze and you have people leaving. So they but they did make it interesting though. Those who stuck around at least got their money's worth by the end. So and with that we're gonna head to a quick break. When we get back we'll look ahead to the Kentucky and LSU games, and Blake will have another rendition of Stump the Bob, and you don't want to miss that. So make sure to stick with us. 
Stay on top of all Arkansas Razorback sports with a Digital Plus subscription on the Hogs Illustrated app. Get complete Razorbacks coverage in one location. Your subscription gives you 20-plus issues of Hogs Illustrated magazine, the most unique and compelling coverage anywhere in the state, plus total access to all the content on wholehogsports.com, including breaking news, commentaries, analysis, features, recruiting, award-winning photos, and premium message boards. Subscriptions start at just $17 per month. Join the Hog Sports Network team at subscribe.waco.com. That's subscribe.wehco.com. Or call 479-684-5509 to get your front row seat to Arkansas Razorback Sports. Go Hogs! And we are back. Thank you for sticking with us. And then now, without uh, further ado, because last week I was rude and made us wait, um, Blake, let us get to Stump the Bob. All right, Bob, you've gotten the last two in a row, uh, which is really impressive. And Well, I almost, I almost gave you a hint. Let me, let me back up. Don't do that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're, we're almost to March. No more no hints more, or no more, no more anything. Oh, oh, hopefully I can build on back-to-back victories better than the Hogs did the other night. <laughs> yeah. All right, so today's topic is leading scorers. Arkansas, all-time leading scorers. With 2,395 career points, who is Arkansas's all-time leading scorer? Todd Day. You got another one. Ding, 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 Mm. ding. That was another easy one, I guess. Yeah. Bob is stacking wins entering March because he knows the competition is going to get tougher, but he he also understands that, you know, sharpening up on these uh, seemingly easy opponents, uh, you know, it'll pay off in the end. He's just he's just sharpening up that brain before he gets asked who the 67th leading scorer in Arkansas program history is. Yeah. So since you got that one so easily, Bob, I've got the list right here. Can you can you tell me with 2,066 points, who is the second leading scorer? That's um, Sidney Moncrief, who's also the leading wow. rebounder, which is pretty amazing for a 6'4 guard. And nobody is ever going to beat Moncrease's record, in my opinion, because it's a lot of rebounds, one and two. Anybody gets that many rebounds ain't sticking around for four years like Sydney did <laughs> these days. So, um, yeah, and Derek Hood, who's going in as Arkansas's – who's going to be out as Arkansas's SEC legend as second. He's I think he has 1,008 rebounds. He, him and Moncrief are the only two players – Arkansas players to have more than a thousand points and more than a thousand yeah. rebounds. I'm gonna use this as my opportunity to give like my usual weekly plug for a women's basketball player, a uh, Sailor Poffenbarger, six-two guard. She just rewrote the record she set last season for most defensive rebounds in a season. She's third in Division One, so she's working on becoming the women's all-time leading rebounder. Bob, she's um, she's a rebounding machine. She's a rebounding machine. If 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 it's if it's coming even remotely toward her on the defensive end, she's gonna get it. Speaking of the women's team, uh, number one South Carolina coming to town tonight. I'm I'm more excited to cover that game than I've been to cover a game in a while. Not nice. gonna lie, that'll be that'll it'll be fun. Get to cover you know Don Staley and everything like that. It should it should be fun. Um, but yeah, congratulations on getting the stump to Bob question correct. It's a big one. Uh, um, but now, just kind of looking ahead, Arkansas's next game is on the road at Kentucky. Uh, the Razorbacks lost to the Wildcats 63-57 at Bud Walton Arena earlier this season. And uh, Kentucky 
is riding a two-game win streak, <laughs> won four of its last five games. Uh, last two games have scored 90 points or more, obviously 117 against Alabama and then 91 against a really good defensive team in Mississippi State. Um, Bob, looking at the last game between these two, and obviously it was uh, before my time on the beat, um, and then also looking at Kentucky's recent form, can you just talk about what you think Arkansas, what do you think the approach is for a game like this? You know, last time, is it the same you know, as last time, some differences? What do you kind of think there? Well, yeah, I think maybe you, you take the same concepts into this game, realizing that it's a rup as opposed to Walton Arena, and also, uh, you know, the roster's a little bit different with some injuries. You know, Dillingham is one of Kentucky's best players. I think he's averaging 14.8 points. Um, he didn't play the last game. I assume he'll play this game. Uh, Trey Mitchell's been out, but I think he may be back. You know, Kentucky may be as healthy as they've been all year, but... You know, the thing, Arkansas did a really good job of that game. You know, Kentucky came in averaging about 90, and they're right about there right now, too, holding them to 63. Um, it sounds a little goofy, but their shot selection had a lot to do with the defense. They didn't take a lot of threes, which create a lot of long rebounds, which can lead, lead to runouts. So they, they had good shot selection, you know, got the ball inside, were patient, worked the clock a little bit. You know, Eric Musselman usually wants to get up and down the court, but you know, you want to, you don't want to get a running contest with Kentucky because they'll they'll blow you out of the gym. And so I think you know they have to be pretty deliberate. Um, they take good shots that don't lead to. Obviously, it'd be better if they hit them, but if they miss them, you know, don't don't create fast breaks. They got to take better care of the ball. They were right there to beat Kentucky. People may have had a hard time believing that if they didn't watch the game. But they were leading that game uh, late. Well, not late, but about 15 minutes left. They were leading in the second half. And then they were still within a point or so with about four minutes left. And then they had some really bad turnovers. And Kentucky turned those into points, threes, you know, layups. And that ended up – but still they only won by six. So I think, you know, they've, they've got to, uh, you know, play really good defense but also have good shot selection and, and try to control the pace like they did here. And you mentioned Rob Dillingham. Rob, you know, obviously, really good player, a lot of fun to watch. One of my favorite players to watch in the SEC, if not, if not my favorite one to watch. Do you think he changes the approach at all, or how do you, I guess, kind of think he might, I guess, fit into, I guess, the defensive game plan? Well, yeah, he's he's an elite player. Um, you know, they got Edwards, who uh, I'm trying to look what he's averaging here. He's averaging 8.6, but he had like 28 against Alabama. Kentucky's just got so many guys that you look at their stats, you think, yeah, he's averaging eight or nine points, but they're capable of scoring 25 or 30. I mean, I don't know how Shepard doesn't start for him. He's averaging 12.5. He's sort of toward 32, I think, at Mississippi State, hit the game winning shot. And he had four steals against Arkansas that really turned that game around. And um, he's got a bunch of steals. He's got like. Hundred no, I'm trying to look at my stats here. He's got 100, 119 assists, seventy six steals. So he's averaging about three steals a game. And people may remember his dad Jeff Shepard played against Arkansas in the nineties. That great game in ninety five when Scotty Thurman hit the game winning shot on Super Bowl Sunday. Jeff Shepard was in was playing in that game. So I'm so old. I've covered these guys' uh, dads before. But um, yeah, Kentucky's just got so many. I mean, yeah, Dillingham's huge. Uh, get back, but they just have so many, so much firepower. They're probably going to have like you know four or five guys drafted off this team, and um, they're, they're they're starting to come around. But 
It's hard, especially after that defense performance Arkansas had against Vanderbilt. It's hard to picture them being able to slow down Kentucky. But they they did do it once, and this is a different game, and it's obviously at Rupp, and it's a month later, and all that. And I think Kentucky they make progress quickly because they're so young. I mean, they have so many freshmen they're playing, and they have an older guy like Antonio Reeves is a senior, and he's their leading scorer. But I I think honestly think Shepard's their best player. He just does so many things in terms of scoring and assists and steals, and um, I think they play through him a lot of time. They have some good size too, but. Um, you know, it's it's crazy. I think Arkansas is one of the last. Eric Musselman is two and zero at Rupp Arena, and again, different seasons, different players. Devo Davis is two and zero at Rupp Arena, so um, maybe that you go in there with a little bit of confidence. Eric Musselman downplayed it when I asked him about it today, and I get that. Um, and I'm certainly not saying that means that they're going to beat uh, Kentucky and Rupp again. But Vanderbilt had beaten Arkansas the last two games, going back, you know, each, each once each of the previous two seasons. But I think that had to give. You know, Vanderbilt a little bit of confidence. Hey, we've beaten these guys in here before. Uh, the other night was the first time they've ever beaten Arkansas 3-0, first time they've ever won back-to-back games at Arkansas. So I think past history can play into it a little bit. And the Lawrence had had a big game last year in Nashville when they beat them. Manjon got ejected at half <laughs> the, end of the first half. He didn't get to do much, but I guess he got some revenge. But, um, you know, I, I think Arkansas – it's sort of a free shot. Nobody's given them a chance to win. It's on CBS. Obviously, you want to have a good showing. All these games are on TV, but, you know, that's the CBS marquee game. I'm sure CBS is, would rather be showing Alabama-Tennessee. But, they, you know, it, back before the season, this looked like a good idea. Arkansas was a top 15 team. Kentucky, I think, was a top 10 team. Everybody probably thought, wow, this is going to help decide the SEC champion championship, and Arkansas is certainly going to win. I don't think Kentucky is either, although I guess they're mathematically still alive. But, um, you know, I think Arkansas just goes in there and, and, you know, gives it their best shot and sees how the chips fall. But certainly there's no pressure on them because nobody expects them to win. Mm -hmm. Quick side note, you did mention Antonio Reeves, Missouri Valley made, Illinois State. Have to have to throw it in there whenever I get the chance. Um, Obviously one of the the main things that kind of take – you know, for me from an outside perspective, watching that uh, Kentucky game was Makai Mitchell kind of really starting his run of really good form uh, in that game. Ethan, can you just talk about how big of an emphasis do you think Arkansas should have, you know, put should put on, you know, getting the ball inside to guys like Makai Mitchell or Chandler Lawson in a game like this? Yeah, I mean, that game was – I don't think anybody saw that one kind of how Arkansas played it close. Because the big men had kind of been struggling for Arkansas all year, and that was just a game that you were just walked away impressed of kind of the toughness that they showed. Um, I don't remember if it was as much scoring. I think they did some. It was really their defense, if I remember correctly, and their rebounding. Um, Arkansas just, you felt the presence of the big men, and it was just kind of like, wait, where has this been? Um, So, I, I mean, I think Arkansas will try and probably follow a similar game plan to last time, just as... Um, they're going to have to come out and be really tough. I mean, you can't expect to go into Kentucky and not play tough and somehow win. Um, those The big guys are going to have to probably have a similar type performance, and then uh, maybe you're going to have to adjust your game plan for Dillingham for sure. I mean, some, he's just such a good scorer. Um, but I think, honestly, you, you kind of go at it with the same mentality as last time, except this time you don't have Bud Walton behind you and you're going into – you know, Rupp Arena, which not an easy task. But, yeah, I think that Arkansas, really, if they can have 
had you told me like that they were going to hold how many points did Kentucky have that game 62 63 okay I sold them short one but they're a, such an electric scoring team Kentucky is had you told me they were only going to score 63 I might have picked Arkansas to win that game because that's really low for them Kentucky likes to get out and transition they push the ball so fast if you see them like um any chance they get to get in transition and try and get quick points they do Arkansas really didn't let them I, I, if I remember correctly, Kentucky did help them out in the first half by kind of missing some bunnies here and there. Like, they had some decent looks at the rim. But, I mean, Arkansas threw off kind of Kentucky's identity this year as they just weren't having as much success offensively. And um, it took at the end of the game, they had some guys that just got hot over, like, the last few minutes to really squeak out of there with a win. I think if Arkansas comes at it with the same game plan, can have the same intensity and toughness, and if those big guys like Makai Mitchell can – um, make their presence felt like they have, um, you know, in some games recently, especially him. Um, anything can happen. And then just kind of talking about another another big guy who's getting back from injury, obviously, is Trevin Brazil. He's featured in the last two games. Obviously didn't didn't do anything against Missouri, but played a decent, decent amount against uh, Vanderbilt. I guess uh, just kind of looking at him, how big do you think he could be in a game in a game like this? I don't really know. I mean – I, it's just hard. You can't tell if he's still kind of in that just ramp up period, trying to get him like just his footing. He made a big three against Vandy, um, but you know I just don't really have. I, I did you ask you asked just about Trevor Brazil, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I could see more Jalen Graham him coming back being a bigger factor for this game. I just don't know if Trevor Brazil is where he's at as far as like um, he made some big plays down the stretch of Vandy, but. I, I just don't know where he's at as far as, like, stepping into an environment like that, um, kind of how many minutes he'll get. I could see maybe if he – maybe he could help protect the rim a little bit or get some offensive rebounds or block some shots, but I just don't know what's reasonable to expect at this point from him. Yeah, and, Bob, you asked quite, quite a bit about uh, about Trevin to, to Eric on the, on the Zoom today. Can you just talk about, I guess, kind of looking at it from that – same perspective how much do you think he could be a factor in this game and really just kind of going forward for the rest of the season well I, th- I think he could be an x factor so to speak you know, he didn't play in the first game I think that was actually the first one he missed after he set out the second half against Ole Miss and we know he hasn't had anywhere near the season anybody expected he was you know preseason first team picked by the media and, and the coaches and he had played so well the previous year before he tore his ACL and that was a small sample size, really eight games. He got hurt in the ninth game, but he'd had a great game. Uh, you know, he played really well out in Maui. I think it was uh, was a Creighton that he played so well. I think he played okay against San Diego State, and um, and he people forget what a good game he had against Duke this year. I think he had 19 points and 11 boards. He had 17 rebounds. I think in that double OT game in in uh, the Bahamas against Stanford. So he's had some big games. And uh, he only played four minutes against Missouri. The other night he played 17 and fouled out. That's probably could be some over-anxiousness, just some rust, um, kind of being a little out of control. But yeah, like, like Ethan said, he had a big three. He got six rebounds in 17 minutes. So to me that's impressive. That's, you think, well, gosh, if he can play 25, he can get you know 12 or 13 rebounds maybe. And he does have the great size and length. And Eric talked about how he did a good job of – range rebounding, meaning he did it outside, you know, his area on the court. He was able to go and get balls that maybe you think, well, how do you get that rebound? So I'm not saying he's going to go in to rup and get 20 points and 10 rebounds, but, you know, if he's on, he can make a big difference because he's very talented. 
and if if he's confident in that knee and you know it's CBS it's Kentucky I know he's got pro aspirations I don't I don't think he should enter the draft or well, he can you know if he wants to test the waters I, I don't know what, where his head is on that but this is the kind of game going into Rupp Arena if you have a strong game you know you you can impress some people and so I think that that should be a big motivation I mean just to play well and help your team win should be at the top of the list but. Um, it would not surprise me if he goes in there and, and has a, has an impact. Mm-hmm. And then just kind of looking ahead, kind of beyond Kentucky, obviously LSU is the next game after that, and uh, a team Arkansas was thoroughly dominated by earlier this season. Uh, I believe that was my second game on the beat, um, and then they were uh, no longer undefeated in the Anthony Christensen era. Um, obviously our LSU beat Arkansas and actually beat Kentucky pretty recently on a buzzer beater and one of the crazier endings I've watched this season. Uh, but they're coming in uh, to Bud Walton Arena uh, after Arkansas heads to Kentucky. Um, Bob, I think the big question is, what do you think you know should be done differently compared to you know last time Arkansas played LSU? Well, how about guard, guarding the big guy, Will Baker, on the threes? <laughs> that, that would be a good start, but... Yeah, LSU just—they'd had a whole week off. I'm not trying to make excuses for Arkansas because LSU just, you know, handed them, handed it to them. But Arkansas was playing, you know, quick. They played the late game Wednesday at Missouri on the road. They they had to turn around and go to LSU for an 11 a.m. tip off. I think LSU had had all week off, so that thing was kind of set up for failure to me for Arkansas. Not lose by 20 plus points failure, but still, there was a lot of things working in LSU's favor in that game. And then they just got off to such a good start. I think Arkansas actually scored the first points on a Graham basket, and then LSU like rattled off 12 points, and you just knew, yeah, this thing's over. And, you know, LSU really buried him from three-point, and, you know, Baker had a career game. I don't think that was actually his career high, but I think he'd scored 29 against Mississippi Valley State, which last time I looked was 0-25 or 0-25. They won their they won, first yeah. game. Oh, they did. Come on they won now, their shout first out, game. Shout out to the Delta Devils. Oh, right. And then, um, they, did, did, it was an exciting finish. And did, did Detroit, I don't know if you guys – Detroit won. So Yeah, no more winless teams in yeah. men's college basketball. How did, how did, who did Mississippi Valley State? Like Prairie View A&M. Yeah, Prairie View A&M. Prairie View A&M, okay. Yeah, thriller, Mississippi, Mississippi Valley State has like a paywall, like their own paywall to like watch their games. So I didn't watch the end of that game. I mean, I caught like highlights of I it. I bet there must be a lot but... of people signing up for that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anyways, I think the point of what you're saying is Will Baker, yeah. his career high should just be Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. You know, the other one. Yeah, and he's a good player, but I think he was averaging 11 points and he got, what, 25 and I think in SEC play, he was 2 of 10 on three. So he hadn't been taking very many, and he hadn't been hitting them. And against Arkansas, I think it was 4 or 5. So seriously, they need to get off. To, they can't let LSU get off to a star like that. And I guarantee you, I don't know if they'll slow him down, but Will Baker will be at the top of the scouting report, you know, keeping that guy from going off. and Whatever else anybody else does, they are not going to let him go off like that again. Yeah, I listened to the uh, the end of that Mississippi Valley State game on the on the their radio station online, which was fun. Um, but that's all of the time we have. Uh, thank you all for watching, listening, you know, keeping up with us. However, you do it. From myself, Anthony Christensen, Bob Holt, Ethan Westerman by my side, and Blake Sutton behind the scenes. Thank you all for tuning in to the Basketball Podcast of Mid America, and we'll see you next time.